kuskamen kusauna hekilunta. Kes kuskamen kusauna hekilunta. Hello, all. My name is Aero with the North American Sauna Society. I'm so glad to say that we are hitting soon 2,000 viewers slash listeners. So this is great. There must be clearly an opening for traditional sauna bathing talk. And with me today is uh, Sam. Hey, everyone. Sam Wacha here. Thank you all for tuning in to this uh, week's episode of The Upper Bench. I'm going to turn it over to Chris or Risto to introduce our guest. Hi, gentlemen. Good to see you again. And I'm um, excited for this episode uh, where we talk about sauna in Vermont. And uh, we're joined by two of my sauna friends, um, Nils Shenholm and Devin Coleman. Um, I've sounded with Devin before, um, not with Nils yet, hopefully one of these days soon. Um, and so they're going to share with us about what, what's going on um, in Vermont. What's the sauna culture like there? What are some interesting happenings? And uh, I'll let them go ahead and introduce themselves, starting with Nils. Thanks. Great to be here. So I uh, came back here from after finishing college to live full time in 82. Worked for a while in the generic building industry, taught for a while at a building school, and then uh, started this in the sauna business in the 1986, designing a sauna for my family here, uh, where I live in Duxbury, um, started to realize after building it that uh, other people might be interested in having one like it. And um, in uh, 1990, I fired up my first prototype. 93, I became a dealer for Hilo, now uh, Sauna 360, and um, have two product lines, a log a log sauna kit, which is a kit, five inch by five inch cedar logs. And um, also the shop built stuff that I'm doing. Uh, so I've been in the business for a long time and I definitely have lots of stories to tell about, about the sauna culture here in a state that's, you know, like Minnesota, the upper peninsula, uh, and Finland, uh, cold in the winter. I mean, winters here can be really tough if you don't, if you're not interested in going with the flow. Uh, and then I met Devin through a project he was doing for the State Historic Preservation Office, um, which was really, really interesting. And in fact, uh, um, we had we had some out of town um, sauna royalty visiting, and, and what Devin can tell you about about him. And our trip to the old, uh, some of actually some Sabu sounders in uh, Southern Vermont. Devin. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Devin and I live up in uh, Northwestern Vermont in Burlington on Lake Champlain and came to Vermont in 2004 for graduate school and been here ever since. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota. Um, and that's that was my first uh, sauna experience. Uh, grew up with a bunch of Finns and Swedes, so uh, very <laughs> familiar cultural. I myself have zero Finnish heritage, um, but it's something that I've uh, really gained a, an appreciation of um, over the years. And in my professional life, um, I'm an architectural historian, 
And part of uh, what I do is research and document buildings throughout the state of Vermont. And a couple of years ago, as Nils mentioned, um, started a project to try to track down some of these Finnish saunas that are in rural Vermont and surprisingly found a fair number. And so we can talk about that more um, later on. But uh, the most recently, um, I've just finished building my own sauna in my basement, uh, in my house here in Burlington. So um, I finally have my own place uh, to sauna whenever I feel like it, which is great. Great, welcome guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Devin, yeah, tell me about your your DIY sauna in your basement. What'd you, what'd you decide to go with? Uh, yeah, what, um, tell me about it. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a funny origin story. Um, I was meeting with some people uh, looking at their old house, as I do, um, and they just purchased it and there was a, a sauna in the garage. And they kind of, offhand comments that oh we're gonna you know, throw that away which my ears perked up and I <laughs> said really and I looked at it and it was a kit um you know wall panels and it could all be disassembled and so I talked to him a little more and said if you're really just gonna trash that I'll take it off your hands <laughs> and they said it's all yours so he rented a U-Haul truck and took it apart and stacked up the panels. And I mean, it had walls, ceiling, benches, um, an ancient stove that was no good. <laughs> I took that too and scrapped it. But uh, Perfect. it sat in my garage for a couple of years while we planned our uh, basement fit out and finally got it all put together. From what I could figure, I think it was manufactured in the mid nineties. Um, sure. And, but it, was good construction, nice cedar inside and out, um, solid benches, and got a new Hilo heater uh, through Nils. Um, and we fired it up maybe about three months ago, and it's been great. Excellent. Well, yeah, no, that, nothing beats the home one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember us talking about that at Camp Du Nord, where mm -hmm. we met and sounded. Um, so it's cool to hear that you have a you have yours up and running, and now I now I'm without a sauna, so yeah. <laughs> now I need to get back on the ball. Yeah, same here, same here. Yeah, yeah, I need to get back on the ball as well. So, um, so, um, Devin, do you think that that you growing up in Minnesota had something to do with your interesting sauna, or or? Yeah, definitely. Um, and Risto just mentioned uh, Camp Du Nord, uh, which is a, a YMCA family camp up in northern Minnesota. Um, Ely is the town right on the edge of the Boundary Waters. And I grew up, uh, my family actually camped there. Um, and then as uh, high school and college, uh, spent every summer on staff there. And what's really neat is that the camp was built in the 1920s. Uh, and the core group of original buildings was built by Finnish carpenters um, who lived, I mean, northern Minnesota is full of Finns. Um, and these guys in the 20s built traditional log uh, cabins and lodges and a sauna, uh, which is right on the edge of the lake. Uh, just beautiful, big timber construction. And, and that was really my first introduction to sauna. Um, other than the YMCA, 
um, which I don't really count. Um, so the and the you know it's funny it was it was always called I think there's a sign on it that says finish sauna, but it wasn't until later that I really kind of oh that means actually you know there's a tradition and a history here of a cultural practice that I, I didn't appreciate initially, but now I've really come come to uh, admire. Um, and through my, my architectural research, um, I think it's really interesting that there's this building type, a, a method of construction and a form of building and a cultural practice that are so closely linked. And it, the only comparable example I can have been able to think of is the Japanese tea house, mm. where there's a very important cultural tradition and practice that takes place in a very specifically designed and built structure. Um, but otherwise, I haven't been, been able to come up with other other traditions like this in which the the site and the building are so intricately linked with the cultural practice. And I think that's really cool. I think that that's really, really an interesting aspect of it. I am with the, the Finlandia Foundation and, uh, and and I don't know if you know Frank Eld. Sure. He's, yeah, yeah, because he, he's, the, he's the man also, one of, one of the many, but he's been studying as far as I can tell a lot. Uh, I hope I'm not hijacking this discussion, but I've known Niels, I've known you for, you know, close to 20 years now, right? Yep. And, uh, and you start volunteering like super early with the, with the North American Sauna Society. That's right. So, so it's just like, you know, what, what's, what's your story? Why did you come, you know, you told about that a little, but how come you got so crazy that you started working on saunas, you know, besides, you know, your, your own. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my heritage is Swedish. Uh, I was born here, but my heritage is Swedish. So um, I, I um, the, the, the sort of Genesis story for, for me, some of you know this, I think. Um, I was working on a project nearby in a, in a beautiful home that was being renovated. And there was an electric, modern electric sauna in the basement level uh, that was being taken out and then redone. And the fellow that was the foreman on the job was a friend of mine when they took all the boards and doors and everything out of it. And the heater uh, said to the crew one day, well, you know, we have this, uh, this stuff. It's not, we're not going to put this in the dumpster. This is going to get reused for, you know, uh, is anyone interested? And nobody on his crew had any interest. I was working as a sub. I was doing the kitchen and, uh, built-in furniture in the living room. And I sort of stood there because I didn't really feel like it was up, up to me to uh, answer Jake um, that I would be interested in. And I kind of waited and no one else did. So I finally said, yeah, I'm interested. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I, obviously I would build a sauna, you know, because that's what we're going to do with, with this stuff. And um, that, that turned out to be an interesting little turn um, but when I built the first one here, uh, started working on the design in 86, started building it in 88. I didn't finish it till January 1990. It took time because I was busy doing other stuff. Um, I, I realized then that 
there was a lot more to it than a structure of comprised of boards and and windows and doors and and and, and nails and and uh, siding, um, and that the culture was was uh, not only very important but also fit in a in a in a very obvious integral way to life here in, in a state where winters are long and it's cold and it's dark and uh and uh we're at we're at about uh 44 north latitude Helsinki's at 60 I think so um the, the people that live in that part of the world have a much darker winter than we did um but and and a and a brighter summer uh too don't forget um, but uh, ha having this in my life was um, a game changer. And one of the things that's interesting uh, about being in the business of designing and building these rooms and buildings is that you tend to meet people that get it. And it's, it's much more than, um, I mean, I think something Devin just said about the, the importance of the iconography and the cultural importance of a log building that has a very specific use, even though, of course, sound on the farm in, in Finland and other Nordic and northern countries had multi-purposes. Um, but that, that that one purpose was very integral to, to making life manageable in, in a very tough climate. And, uh, you know, in the farms in Finland, um, I, bear in mind, I'm not Finnish. I have spent time there. I've done lots of reading, but I'm not gonna. I'm not making any claims uh, about my connection to the culture in Finland. But I, I can say unequivocally that most of the population of Finland, until not that long ago, probably sometime after World War II, you know, lived in a pretty. Um, in many cases, difficult circumstances. Certainly people who lived in the, in the forests, people who were in agriculture, it wasn't an easy time. Same thing is true of Vermont. There's so many similarities between the culture and landscape here, the way people made a living, and the culture and landscape there, and the way people made a living. Um, and then, of course, this ties back into Devin's um, uh, project, uh, which Frank joined us on. He was the VIP guest I was mm -hmm. mentioning. Um, uh, which is where the first time I met him. Um, but having that uh, culture here, you know, makes makes it makes it a full circle. Um, I, uh, I I don't imagine life without it. I mean, I would just I would go bananas. Um, and I own two saunas. I've got one here at my house, and I have another one up north on a piece of land I own. Uh, both wood fired. You're all welcome. Actually, Devin's been to mine here a bunch of several times, but uh, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so um, I'm in it up to my neck, Aero. When I found out about uh, the reinvigoration of the NAS, um, I got on a plane. I mean, I was I was very keen to um, learn and also pitch in. Well, you'll, you'll oh. be. Go ahead. Yeah. So those uh, just getting back to those old saunas. Um, I'd be curious to know more about them. I have so many questions. Um, I, you know, I might start with like, how many have you found and looked at? Uh, what was the the one or few that you looked at with Frank? Um, can you kind of give us a picture of what those old saunas are like in Vermont? 
Yeah, uh, definitely. It was in uh, the the actual origin of the project. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still go back to northern Minnesota every summer. My family has a place um, up there, and the the little town of Embarrass, Minnesota, um, has an incredible collection of Finnish log buildings. A lot of many of which have been uh, preserved, and you can do little tours of them. And I was doing one of those tours and looking around and. Suddenly thought to myself, like, boy, this is a lot like central Vermont. Uh, kind of, you know, really marginal farming, you know, <laughs> a really rocky soil, um, dense forest, and cold, you know, long winters. And and that that was really the the first thought that, well, you know, if there were fins here. There must have been fins in Vermont, and so I I came home from vacation and put out a few feelers, and lo and behold, I found there were in in a you know primarily clustered in a few uh, adjacent towns and kind of central southern Vermont, uh, and we you know I started doing some some outreach and sort of you know it's all about the network and. You, you you find the 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 one person who's kind of the the key holder, <laughs> the secret decoder for all the other people who know stuff. And I found that that lady, um, and she was the descendant of, of Finnish immigrants. And Eva Lisa Suonen uh, was her name, and she was the one who said, "I know where they are, and <laughs> I know who to talk to." And so with her help, uh, then we organized a little road trip. Uh, going around and Frank came out on one of those trips and all in all through multiple trips we identified about 25 uh, saunas and you know ranging from almost collapsed to still functioning um, only one or two were really still in use um, the others were basically you know, being used as storage sheds, outbuildings, um, really not um, not in active use and hadn't been for some time, um, but they're still there. Um, and what became really fun was uh, kind of understanding the genesis of, of these Finnish, the, these farmsteads, which were, were not Finnish farmsteads, they were Yankee farmsteads. These are, these are farms established in the 1800s by New England settlers. And what happened was in the early 20th century as farming transitioned out of New England into the Midwest, those Vermont farmers went with it and they left behind their farmsteads. Um, there's a debate as to whether they were you know, vacant farmsteads or abandoned farmsteads, um, but it was available land. And the Finns, uh, another interesting point was that the Finns who settled in Vermont were not coming from Finland. Vermont was kind of their second stop. They had settled first out west in Idaho, Wyoming, working in the mines and timbering, or uh, other parts of New England, Fitchburg, Massachusetts uh, was a big population center. And they were coming to Vermont from those other uh, locations in the United States and settling in Vermont. And I think largely because they could buy land on these vacant farmsteads. And the land came with a farmhouse, a barn, 
outbuildings, chicken coops, smokehouse, and so on, you know, tillable acreage. And the one thing that was missing, of course, was the sauna. So that's what they built. That That's the physical remnant of the Finnish settlers in Vermont is the sauna. And I, I play a little game with myself now. Whenever I drive through that part of the state, you know, peering around behind the house about 100 yards and find the little building with a door and a chimney. And, oh, there's another one. <laughs> Jot down the address. And um, So it's, it's been a, a really interesting project. Um, in terms of design and construction, the majority are, are you know, stick-built uh, dimensional lumber. Um, a lot of time, you know, what they had available, um, these, these are by no means grand, fancy, you know, health resort <laughs> spa saunas. These are, you know, working buildings, but built on the traditional plan with a, a warming room and then the bathing room. Um, lots of different types of homemade uh, wood stoves, some, you know, barrel stoves and all sorts of piles of rocks and <laughs> you name it. Um, but there were three examples that we found that are traditional uh, log construction, and those were really exciting to find. Um, and they are, you know, you could easily just go to Finland and see the exact same thing. Um, one of them especially is a beautiful interlocking, you know, notched double dovetail joinery on the corners. And Frank looked at it and just shook his head and said, well, this guy was showing off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so perfect um so those were really nice to document and and talk to the owners and you know some knew what they had and some didn't so it's it's interesting to um kind of spread the uh, the knowledge around the variety the variety of stoves was was pretty interesting they had um the, the, as as Devin just said the sort of the homemade back together steel version uh, there was one light frame construction, one that I remember where the roof is falling in. And it was, it was a, a, uh, as I recall, it was a purpose-built sauna stove, what we would call a modern sauna stove. It looked like it might've been made in the 50s or 60s, hmm. but in the shape and, and general confirmation of what we still have today. And then the, the couple of, I think we, there were a couple of logs, Savo saunas, I think, at least one or two, and mm -hmm. then there was one that I remember that had a really amazing masonry stove. It was huge. Yes. And um, that's the one, actually, the owner of that one got back in touch with me and said, listen, can you help me? You know, we got to keep this thing. And it was the situation which that, that happens often, sadly, with a farm property. You have a beautiful barn with a slate roof on it. But boy, to, to put a new foundation under it, it's going to cost you some money. And I don't think this family really had the means to come up with with with, with the with the funds or the means to get to go to bat and get grants to do the work. But um, that was an amazing, beautiful sound that I think had Devin can can uh, corroborate this. But I think both rooms were paneled with what we would today call sheetrock. Mm -hmm. And, and painted. And you know, that sheetrock was old enough, it's all full of asbestos, man, you know, so. Yeah, probably a transite yeah, board of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
gosh darn it the stove was just about beautiful and it was really nice was and so cool. are you are you documenting these photographically and um are these available yet have you published your book <laughs> Nils keeps bugging me about that. <laughs> no. So, so what we did was uh, a basic survey form, uh, you know, gathering historical yeah. information, ownership information, a, a rough sketch, measured drawing of of the the plan. Because uh, part of what I wanted to figure out was, you know, how how similar are these in terms of dimensions of the the two spaces. Uh, where are uh, the heaters placed? Um, and overall, they're pretty consistent. Um, but uh, eventually, that will all be compiled uh, with the photographs uh, into a, a final survey report um, that'll kind of give an overview of, of the process and what we found. So, um, and speaking of the stoves, you know, there really was a large variety. There were some that were. Uh, I remember two that were kind of built off the, the sauna building is built off of a hillside so it's open underneath and that's actually where the stove was down below so you feed it from below and then it would the heat would come up and that huge one that Nils was referencing I, I think actually had a, a bowl or kettle set in the top that you'd fill with water and that would yep. generate the steam um, uh, some were, you know, fed inside the sauna, some were fed from the warming room, some from outside. Um, so all, all those little uh, differences were really interesting to see how, how people uh, constructed them. Well, that, yeah. that sounds like a fun project, guys. I, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I want to go on a road trip now. <laughs> um, it, are any of these, like you said, some of them are open tours. Um, is there anything up there that you recommend for any listeners that want to come to Vermont to sauna? Where should they go? Well, um, boy, in terms of like traditional, you know, in a historic sauna, um, I don't know of any that are, yeah. you know, functioning for the public. Um, I think most most are the more contemporary. Um, built and designed for for public use um nils could probably fill in on some of what's going on it's um i would get I, I, honestly sam i i don't think vermont would make it on a map of places you'd want to go to take public sauna um private saunas yeah there's some nice ones um sure uh if if you want to um, if you want to go on, a, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you want to go on a field trip and get to do some awesome resort sauna bathing, uh, I could highly recommend Quebec. <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them up there. You know, friends say, oh yeah, we're going to Montreal for the weekend. And I'm, my, my, my reply is always, yeah, that's great. It's like a whole different country. Well, guess what? Of course it is. It is. And those guys, the, the guys in Quebec that are doing this, get it. And it's remarkable how a, a line on a map can make such a difference. Um, where here in the States, as all of us know, public sauna generally 
are in, in, a, in a process of becoming more proper, uh, being as generous as I can. Um, but uh, I used to get emails fairly routinely. Uh, Dear sir, my wife and I will be vacationing in Vermont. We'd love to, if you could recommend somewhere where we could go to have a sauna. And um, they might be coming from Europe or from the US or from out West or, you know, whatever. And um, it was hard because there are resorts here, obviously, that have saunas. Uh, they tend to be um, built uh, within or next to ski resorts, which we have many of because we still have a ski industry here. Um, one of the nice things about a ski resort is it makes money in lots of different ways. So if you're a real estate uh, developer um, or if you're in the ski industry, which these days is kind of the same thing, um, and you want to have a, a nice facility. In fact, you know, these days what people are trying to do is, is not just winter season. You want to do you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, year-round uh, family fun and recreation. Um, if you want to do that, then of course you want to have a spa with a pool and a hot tub and a steam room and a sauna. So um, as, as a consequence, all of the um, uh, public ones tend to be by ski resorts. There's a few exceptions. Um, Woodstock has two, the Woodstock Inn and uh, Stonehouse uh, Spa, I believe it's called in Queechy, really cool place. And you can go there and be a guest and get um, do a massage and so on and so on. And of course the Woodstock Inn is a rock resort. Um, that's a, a pretty nice facility. Uh, but um, the, the, the projects that I visited with, with Devin in, down in Southern Vermont were all um, at people's homes on farms. And um, sadly, uh, none of them were in functional shape. Um, I have to say we're working on it. There are, there are some public projects underway up here now, uh, two that are in the news and two other ones that aren't in the news yet. Um, where you could, you know, presumably um, go and, and um, pay for a visit, a day visit uh, to to a spa. What uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about that? What might sauna look like in the next year or two in Vermont? What what kind of things are bubbling up? Um, well, there's there's a a group in the, our state capital of Montpelier that. Uh, started working on plans a few years ago. And um, as might ex you might expect with, with a commercial project, um, had some issues with uh, both property acquisition and permitting. So that kind of went on the back burner, but they've just recently um, gotten uh, another piece of property in Montpelier and they're gonna work on a, a, a wellness um, uh, center that it's gonna include thermotherapy. Um, and then the other one will be up in Burlington. And it's the same idea, privately financed uh, public um, uh, project that um, I've been peripherally involved with and, and I'm hoping to actually work on at some point. They're still in the beginning stages. And then yeah, there's two other ones. Uh, I'm sorry. Say you mentioned that both associated with wellness. Um, yeah. It seems like that's kind of the hook for sauna coming in is is 
the one component of a larger, you know, wellness retreat, wellness center type development. Um, We're so, slow to adopt. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah the, what, that, the, what the Finns have known for thousands of years. We're finally getting a clue here. So that's that that that's an excellent point. So uh, let let's scroll back a little. So we are talking about the historic background of the Finns moving as the second place to move to Vermont, and then we talk about the modern Vermont. And so, so there, uh, some of our listeners slash viewers are very new to authentic sauna bathing. So what's the connection between the historic background and what's happening today? Can we do like talk about, you know, what these Finns used the saunas for, you know, way back in the day and, and how it evolves into the present day? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'd say there's a direct connection between the, you know, the Vermont Finns of the 20s and 30s, and what's going on today. Um, other than, you know, on, on a, in a rural state like Vermont, um, for the, the farming families, you know, the time they see their neighbors and get together and visit is Friday night in the sauna. Um, and I, I think, now in 2023, there's there's a similar desire for real social interaction that's not on a screen or you know just a Facebook feed or something. It's something that's that's real and true. Um, I think that's probably the strongest link um, for for the interest today. But but I I do you know getting back to the the cultural significance I do kind of wonder sometimes like how much do people is it is it just a fad you know people think oh sound is cool until something new comes along and they're not quite getting this centuries-long tradition of of sauna bathing and uh, the the cultural connections um so I, I think that's part of the education we can do for people um not in a way of being elitist and trying to say you're you're doing it wrong or you know shame on you if you don't know this but helping them understand so they can appreciate it and enjoy it more because um, i think once you once you know the roots of it i think it makes it even more enjoyable that you're part of this long continuum of of traditional heating and cooling and and bathing ritual yeah there's you know there's a lot of different reasons why people gravitate to this and um when you design and build stuff and and become a dealer and you're you know you're involved on every day seven days a week for, for a long time um you, you start to see some patterns and the two patterns that come to mind that are relevant one is the nordic skiing community which connects directly to sweden and finland and norway uh, without any doubt at all and um uh when i first started working i recall and I've built, I have built saunas for people that were very established coaches, you know, mentors, um, people that, that worked with teams, collegiate and national teams, frankly. Um, so the Nordic ski community is one. The other is uh, counterculture roots. Um, you know, the, the Vermont, um, had, had a very strong, very well-documented um, kind of back-to-the-land 
movement, if you want to call it, that's sort of a cliche now, but in the 60s and 70s, and before then too, to some extent. And communities like that would obviously be looking for all kinds of alternative ways to do things. And um, I mean, I've lived without running water and without indoor plumbing um, more than many of you people that you guys know, because <laughs> I lived here as a young guy and that's that was what worked. Um, so if you live in that way, having a place to bathe is kind of important. Um, you know, beyond that, the, the demographics, you know, change, you know, right away. Today, my business is, I do a fair amount of commercial stuff, but I'm also doing, uh, you know, many of my projects are for second homeowners, people that have the means to, uh, to um, add this element to their lives. That's yeah, Devin, I, I I like how you phrased that, you know, how you said that. It's not about elitism. It's about explaining to people and showing people that there's more, you know, there's yeah. more that they could have in the buffet of sauna. They mm -hmm. don't, you know, there's more than just one little tiny narrow spectrum. Um, yeah, kind of broaden and enrich the experience. Yeah. And Nils, you've mentioned a few times, and we've mentioned in this conversation, log saunas. Mm -hmm. And I would be remiss to have a conversation with you if we didn't give you the chance to give the sales pitch for log saunas. <laughs> log saunas are a rare thing, even amongst Finnish communities these days. I mean, they do exist in some areas, but could you tell people, like, what's your sales pitch? Why would someone consider a log sauna? I don't have a sales pitch. Um, the the um the sales pitch is that um <laughs> this is a whole other chapter of my my weird um business model <laughs> people look at my websites and say dude your website's really crappy and i'm like yeah i know and they say well why don't you you know spend a couple thousand bucks and make it better and i was like well why do i want to do that I'm, I, I can't keep up as it is i'm busy you know, so spending money on marketing, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of does, doesn't make any sense. But the log, uh, the first log sauna I did was for a second homeowner. They lived in Massachusetts. They had a place in um, the town of Jamaica, Vermont, which is down by a very large and well-known um, ski resort called Stratton Mountain. Um, and I honestly... Uh, Christopher, it's been so long. I can't remember why they ended up with a log sauna. But that was the first one I did. That was in 1995 or 1996. Um, the house was not log. Uh, but I, I will say um, one, of the, one of the things that I thank my lucky stars for every day is it, you're creating... Um, I, I go back a step. I built a bunch of those over the years in the shop, deliver them on a truck. You know, those are nearby. Uh, about three years ago, I started doing log kits, which is a kit that you assemble. You and your family assemble it, or you and your brother-in-law who's a carpenter assembles it, uh, or you hire someone to help you. Um, but I think the, 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 the pitch part is that, um, I mean, it's it's an obvious direct link to one of probably the oldest 
and longest lived uh, traditional way to build a sauna, even though it's got a modern stove. Um, and the way the building reacts, the way the walls breathe is I think very different than the way a light frame construction building will. Um, I remember conversations with other builder friends, you know, at the end of the day, you could take one of my log saunas and grind it up in little bits and eat it on toast. I mean, there's nothing, everything about the building is organic. <laughs> you wanna use that term. Um, and for me, another, another selling point, sales pitch here is I do business primarily with three local sawmills for my stuff. And doing business with saw, small sawmills, you guys have these uh, in, in Minnesota. Um, I don't believe there's any sawmills down in Eros neighborhood, but um, no. True. It's, it, it's like I'm doing business with, with a family run um, operation. It's like farming, they depend on the weather. Um, they depend on their truckers and their loggers. And it's a very, very uh, diverse and complex web of supply uh, from the stump, the landowner to the stump, to the truck, to the logger, to the, to the sawmill, and then the final product. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm shipping two kits in the next three weeks. 99% of that stuff came from within 50 miles of here. And yeah. I like that. You know, yeah, you I, don't I, have to worry about supply chain in China affecting the, that piece of your business. Well, actually, that's true. Although we're now having we're now having issues with um, forestry regulations. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the logging industry in the United States is in trouble. Mm -hmm. I think nationally, fuel costs, labor costs. Uh, and I'm, I'm all for I'm all for regulation and and and, uh, and um, conservation rules, but it adds up. And if if you're a logger, it's a tough road. It really is. I, I don't know. I think Devin probably has might have some information about this too. But um, the last time I picked up a, a thousand feet of lumber from my local, um, I mean, it's basically I packed the back of my pickup truck. It's pretty funny. Um, I had a conversation with one of the sons and they're seeing difficulties. So if you live near a sawmill, buy lumber from them because if you don't, that mill's gonna go away. Yeah. So I mean, I hear what you say, what you're saying is like there's a tie to the past. I'm gonna be your marketing guy for a little bit here. A tie to the cool, past. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll I'll take it. Um <clears throat> simplicity of build, you know, it it there's a very there's a very an elegant simplicity in the log build hmm. and um, sustainability. You know, you're able to get wood from your local area, which I love to see us do that in the sauna world. Mm -hmm. But then I would also say for me, having experienced a bunch of different saunas, including Camp Du Nords, which is a log sauna, hmm. there's a different feel to a log sauna. Mm -hmm. It's not just about like, oh, I love traditional things. Therefore, yeah. I want a log sauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of wood mass there to absorb the heat over time and then gently, gently radiate that back to the sauna bather. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a 
for me, it's the best quality of heat in a sauna that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and then you know, Nils, I, I would add, it just came to mind that, you know, Vermonters are pretty familiar with log construction. You know, there, there's a strong tradition of the Adirondack lodges, you know, which are big log construction, different from Finnish tight joinery, but but that that concept of of using heavy timber to build, you know, notching the corners and building a structure. And then also heating with wood. I mean, I I don't know what the percentage is, but but a lot of Vermonters still heat all winter with wood. You know, <laughs> they've got the wood stove, they stack up their couple cords in the spring and summer, and then the that's literally how they heat their houses all winter. Um, so there's, I think there's kind of an inherent understanding that this will work, you know, yeah. log construction and, and wood heat works. <laughs> so when I talk to people that uh, right out of the gate, they say, we want 200 degrees, we want 210 degrees, or, um, the, the Russian friends that I've worked for. Yeah, we want like 230, you know, can you do that? I was like, sure, it's gonna be wood heat. That's it, end of conference. You're not gonna do electric heat. This is America, wood heat. Um, but the other one that comes up, uh, this is Devin, interesting. People say, well, law, yeah, law, that sounds cool. How long does it take to heat up? And I say, well, it takes a little longer. And it's interesting, you know, some people really kind of um, trip over that. Instead of 45 minutes to an hour, it might be an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes. It depends on a lot of different things. But we do, I mean, I, I know how long it takes my automatic coffee maker to make coffee. It's between five and six minutes, you could set your watch by it. And that, I'm used to that. Unless I'm doing espresso, which is different, or if I'm doing pour over, which is different. But my daily thing is an automatic drip coffee thing that real coffee people think is unbearable shortcut. But we are in a culture that expects predictable time. You know, we've got to get the kids to school. Um, you know, somebody's got piano lessons and, and your life becomes very clock oriented. <laughs> It's part of our world. So the blog sauna guy goes, yeah, well, it's going to take longer to heat up. And you're like, well, I don't know. Um, and it's wood heat, which means you have to go out there and actually kindle the fire. But um, I have done, I, I haven't got a count for you, I'm sorry to say, but close to 100 probably wood-fired saunas in one form or another. Um, over the years. And so far, I haven't heard any complaints from any of those people that thing doesn't get warm enough. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually very interesting what you just said. It's like I'm starting thinking that maybe we should like segment <laughs> different saunas by how long it takes them to heat up. <laughs> because it's it's kind of you, you know, you should like understand that that if you're if you're if your sauna is heated up in 30 minutes, you're maybe compromising there somewhere, you know, along yeah. the line. Because mm -hmm. like, you know, my, uh, and, and I, you know, my dear co-hosts, Christopher and Sam get bored with me telling the same stories time after time, but my father-in-law has a smoke sauna and you're easily clocking like four and a half hours. 
and it's worth every minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to do one here. I haven't done one here, but I, yeah, but I can get logs. So. Yeah, I, I tell people sometimes, you know, I can relate it to food as I relate all things to food. I think in food analogies, but like <laughs> if someone invites you over for a, a Texas style brisket, um, and they tell you, you know, I made this in four hours. If anyone who knows brisket, that's going to be, that's going to be a nearly impossible task. <laughs> but they tell you, I stayed up all night, you know, it took 18 hours. I was wrapping, unwrapping, you know, you, you, the, the love that went into that thing. You're mm. probably suspecting this is going to be a pretty amazing experience. I had a, um, a, a customer who was a good, good friend of a very good friend of mine a bunch of years ago. They had a building in their yard. They wanted to convert it to sauna. And we talked, we, I went and visited and we talked and they ended up buying a stove. And uh, one day, uh, it was during Christmas week. It was between Christmas and New Year's. And I was in Montpelier and I went into the coffee shop on State Street and there sat Tim. And I went to say hello. I hadn't seen him in months. And I, you know, chit chat, how's everyone? How are the kids? How's the family? And I said, um, I said, so um, how has having the sauna changed the way you celebrate the holidays? And he looked at me and he said, having a sauna has changed the way we do everything. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's, um, Devin, this is someone you know, and I'm, I'm struggling with his last name. Anyway. <laughs> prominent in the Montpelier nonprofit scene. Um, yeah, but I, I really it's like anything, the, the more you put into it, the more you get out. Um, and the more you embrace that ritual of cutting the wood, stacking the wood, starting the fire, tending the fire, and then you enjoy the sauna. Uh, that's uh, that's what it's about. <laughs> so. Yeah. We are hitting our last 10 minutes now of the podcast. So are we, do we have topics that we haven't covered yet? Let's see. Uh, I just learned of, a, um, maybe Devin has insight. I just learned that our uh, Queen City recently built a new YMCA and they have a modern electric sound. They and do. And a friend who swims there told me about it. Have you used it? I have not used it. I, I poked my head in when it was under construction and was not too excited by what so, I saw. You have to talk, <laughs> Arrow, you have to go like this while I tell the story. <laughs> what they did, they, they made they made it for me, this is a this is an oversight or 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 um maybe could have been more carefully planned. Um, and I haven't been there yet, so I'm taking my friend's word for it. But basically there's a there's an indoor pool, all kinds of beautiful facilities. I mean, the place has gotten very high marks, uh, fitness rooms and public community rooms and all this great stuff. Um, but apparently the, the it's a um, co-ed sauna. The door to the sauna comes off the pool deck directly into the sauna. So what, um, they discovered was that people were coming and going with wet bathing suits. And the first thing that you notice um, 
Well, the first thing that you guys are gonna think of is, well, the ventilation is gonna be compromised because of the location. You can't bring fresh air. You can't bring fresh air from the room with the pool in it because typically pools will be chlorinated and that gets into the air. But then you have wet swimsuits and guess what the wet swimsuits are? And I'm just thinking, well, here's a, a beautiful idea and a, and a great effort and concept to combine the sauna with the pool in this thing that here we are in Burlington, Vermont, where the, where the you know, it's winter. Winter here is serious. And as, as Devin will, will promise, winter on the lake in Burlington is tough because you're on the water and the wind, it, it'll, you know, it could be 40 degrees and you'll still freeze because of the cold wind with moisture. Anyhow, um, they, they, they did their best, but I just, you know, why does this keep happening, Aaron? We, we, there's, there's, there's a disconnect. Um, uh, there's a very beautiful uh, one down in uh, Woodstock, same thing. Uh, that I've used. It's not the Woodstock Inn, but it's property associated with the Woodstock Inn, where you leave the pool deck and go directly to the sauna. Um, yeah, it's like it? these, these missed opportunities, you know, to, and, you know, not, uh, there's something weird about the placement of the heater in, in that the Y sauna also. I can't remember. I looked at it and thought that's not right. <laughs> um, so, but it, these are easy fixes, you know, if just at the planning stage, we could say, well, maybe move that over here and maybe put it in this part of the building instead of that part of the building. Yeah. Not asking for a whole redesign of the whole project. It's just, you know, little tweaks, um, but it's so hard to, to insert yourself, some insert someone knowledgeable in the planning process. Mm -hmm. And it's not till it's built that you realize, oh, I want to hear what Simon, right. I, I want to hear what Simon and, and Christopher have to say about this. But I, I, my personal feeling is that sauna for the majority of people is still so new as a as a concept that that many many mistakes are being made. And also, what we are aiming at, and that was my question before about the you know the Finnish lock building saunas back in the day and what they were used for. And the modern sauna, what that is used for. Mm -hmm. And there are different things that they are being used for. It's just like what well, we hear constantly, and Niels knows all about it. Many people, many, many people use saunas at their gyms for the pre-exercise warm-up process, which many doctors, medical doctors have proved me that it doesn't do anything. And 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 it's and it's a problem because they are fully clothed you know with sneakers and whatnot so it's just like you know that takes the the sauna bathing experience from from other people but enough with me what do you guys sam and christopher how do you feel about this you know i i can feel their i can feel the pain here especially on on a like a ymca project um 99 times out of 100 a sauna professional is nowhere near anywhere in the design you know to these points you know Devin you know you hit the nail on the head it, it's not rocket science it could be easily fixed early on but these a lot of these commercial jobs that I have ever been a part of they're signed off the sauna is going to be right there it's going to be six by eight and you're going to be lucky if you can lower that ceiling or not or raise it you know depending on whatever they're looking at and 
it, it's almost dictated to us. And, and you know, th these are non-sauna professionals. I've I've had to correct a hundred architectural drawings that show a sauna door swinging inward. <laughs> and and it's like, guys, come on, common sense here. It's it's a you know it's a blessing and a curse because you know it's a curse because you have to deal with everybody that doesn't have it. <laughs> and it, it's just it it's tough when you want to make these changes, but at what level? And, and how do you go about, you know, getting in front of these people? I, I'd love to do a keynote speech at the, you know, um, Harvard Architectural School, whatever. Um, but I don't think the sauna guys are going to get the mic anytime soon. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping with your guys's help, we can, we can get there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Devin might, you know, hey, and I'm, I'm rooting. I, I will vote for Devin for, for Congress, if he's if he's <laughs> gonna go for uh, for for sauna. Well, our, our assignment for the sauna ambassadors project, I'm gonna evaluate the YMCA sauna in Burlington and give give him some feedback. Give it a shot. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Okay, so Bristol, do you want to add something to this? Well, um, I don't want to. I want to say that I'm a realist, but also I'm a not very much an optimist. You know, people don't know what they don't know. That was our family eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, so I think it is largely a matter of education and getting the right people, finding those key people like Devin talked about in the architectural world, in the hotel world, in the health and fitness world who get it and they understand the buffet of sauna and then get some of those technical details right with the ventilation and and all those things. Um, so, and I think if we, you know, get a few few of us or many of us with megaphones out there speaking out about these things in a in a winsome, polite way, um, we can start to move things forward slowly. And I think uh, slowly is how this is going to happen. Good word. So I think we are on almost on our last minute. So any final words, gentlemen, and, and before I give you the podium to say the final words, I thank you. I've enjoyed this discussion immensely. It's been a great discussion. Nice to see everyone. Great. Thanks for having us. I'm looking forward to coming to Vermont because, uh, yeah, I got to I got to see some of these. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Anytime. Call us. Thanks, guys. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thanks a lot.